Empire. This morning, chilling images and 911 calls from the Parkland Massacre, painting a timeline of terror. 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz seen here loading an AR-15 in the hallway of Stoneman Douglas High School as a frightened freshman walks past. Welcome to Making the Case Crimes Against Kids. In this series, we dig deep into and help prevent the worst of the worst criminal behavior, crimes against children. It's a tough subject, and you're going to hear and learn about the world of crimes against kids from our expert guests who come from federal law enforcement agencies, our advocates for crime prevention and legislative change, and some are survivors of crime themselves. I'm Avery Mann. I spent 16 years fighting crime with the hit Fox TV show, America's Most Wanted, and five years at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Crimes are being committed every minute of every day, and law enforcement just doesn't have the resources or the time to solve every case. Often, children are the target, and that's where my company comes in. SOS 360 Inc. provides expert training to anyone who works around children on how to help detect who the bad guys are so they never get hired and never get to work around kids. What can you do right now to keep yourself, your loved ones, and our kids safer? That's next on Making the Case, Crimes Against Kids. My guest today gained national attention the day after Valentine's Day, 2018 when she pleaded to President Trump during a national newscast for him to do something about violence in America's schools. I just spent the last two hours putting the burial arrangements for my daughter's funeral, who's 14. President Trump, please do something. Do something, action, we need it now. These kids need safety now. The day before, Lori lost her beautiful 14-year-old daughter, Alyssa, after a former student entered Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and began firing a semi-automatic AR-15 rifle. 17 people died, 14 of them students, and an additional 17 were injured. After the attack on her daughter's school, Lori Alhadef, along with her husband, Ilan, founded a nonprofit, Make Our Schools Safe. Among other school safety initiatives, their nonprofit seeks to help pass legislation through the country to mandate, fund, and support schools to allow them to communicate emergencies to law enforcement much faster. And just six months after the tragedy, Lori was elected to the Broward County School Board, where her passion to make schools safer can benefit thousands in Florida. Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. And I just want to say right at the outset that I am so sorry for your loss and for the pain that you and your family continue to suffer now. And I really appreciate your strength that, that you've shown and you know all that you've done um, and do in Alyssa's memory. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me here today. Lori, before February 14, 2018, you and your husband, Alan, were doing what millions of Americans were doing, raising your kids, your daughter, Alyssa, your two boys. What was life like for the Alha Defs before that day? So I was typical stay-at-home mom, um, driving my boys and Alyssa to soccer practice 
and making sure that, you know, they had their homework done. I was making dinner, cleaning the house, doing the laundry, going grocery shopping, and um, just being that, you know, do it, do everything that, mm-hmm. that like a stay-at-home mom would do. That's a big job in itself. Absolutely. From everything I've read and seen, Alyssa was very accomplished at such a, a young age and a real athlete. You mentioned driving to soccer practice. Tell me about Alyssa. So Alyssa was this amazing, vivacious, all-American girl. She played soccer and she wore the number eight on her jersey. She played the eight position and she was captain of her soccer team. She was a leader on the field, controlling the game and leading her team to victories Um, Alyssa also was very social. She loved her friends. She loved hanging out on the beach. And um, academically, she was extremely strong. She was a phenomenal writer. And she also did debate and was just an an amazing person. It just seems so well-rounded to be an athlete and so smart and be able to, to write and debate. I mean, those are, those are incredible, incredible talents. Uh, some of the people who I've met over the years through my work at America's Most Wanted and with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they described a feeling of something just not being right the day that that tragedy strikes their lives. Did you experience that at all? And like, how did your how did your day start out that that really horrible day? That day, Alyssa was actually not looking forward to that day because she didn't have a Valentine. So I knew that and I bought her a special present with chocolate bar and earrings and put it in Alyssa's ears before she went to get out of the car to go to school. I drove her to school and she got out of the car. I told her I loved her and she looked so beautiful, but that Mm -hmm. that would be the last time that I would see Alyssa alive. Later that day, I did receive a text message saying, shots fired at Stoneman Douglas High School, kids running and jumping the fence. So you heard the shots. About how many shots did you hear? Uh, too many to count. Did it sound like automatic weapons fire, like a machine gun? It, it sounded more like a pistol or like a shotgun, more than a machine gun. Did you hear any talking by the shooter? No, I just heard screaming from people, obviously in shock, injured, maybe even resulting people dying. That's what I, the, the, the screams, that, that's what I heard. And I did have this immediate sense of loss that came over my body. I knew something was so wrong, and I did have that feeling. When you received that first message, you said by text, was that through, uh, was that from someone you knew at the school? Was it directly from the school? What, what was that, that first moment that you heard? And, and you know, did, you, did you know that the source was, was someone or something, some organization that you could trust? Well, it was my friend, so absolutely, I trusted what she was saying. Um, but I just went into like this fight or flight situation. I, I just, I took it for face value that something was so drastically wrong, and um, I just got my car and I was speeding as fast as I could. I didn't even stop at stop signs, and I ended up parking my car on a sidewalk and just running towards Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. What did you see as you as you drove up there? I can only imagine that the chaos that ensued 
Were you actually able to get onto the campus at that moment? So I was not. I was at Westglades Middle School in the street and there was um, hundreds of people standing around. Like everybody was just trying to figure out what was going on. There was lots of law enforcement around with um, their guns out and um, it was just really mass confusion and the students um, were there and when we were I was trying to figure out where Alyssa's, Alyssa was and she was in the freshman building which was called the 1200 building where the shooting happened. Meanwhile, cameras showing school resource officer Deputy Scott Peterson waiting outside on his radio instead of trying to stop the gunman. I think we got shots fired. Also shots fired. 1200 building. Five minutes go by before police officers even enter the building. And Alyssa's best friend came and I remember looking at Abby, looking at the space next to her and looking at Abby, I said, Abby, where's Alyssa? Because they're best friends and they're always together. And Abby said she didn't know. A few minutes later, uh, Abby received a text message saying that Alyssa was shot. And at that moment, I just fell to the ground and started screaming. And then after that, I, I got up and just kind of sprang into action of, of trying to find Alyssa, you know, thinking that she's at a hospital and someone is helping her. So you're at the school and you are there on your own. And, you know, having met so many crime victims, I know that talking to the family is 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 so incredibly difficult. And when your family experienced this, this horrible tragedy, you know, firsthand, for so many people in America, you know, violence is, in general is just not something they personally have to face, but you still have two boys to raise and protect. How, how has life changed for them? You know, knowing as parents, I mean, we, we can't control where our kids are all the time. We can't control who they're with. How do you reconcile that, that the tragedy with Alyssa and still protecting but allowing your boys to progress in their lives. So I think as a mother, you know, when when someone gets hurt, right, you, you feel empathy for that person. And then you always check, like, is that my child? And then there is this inner self of like relief that, okay, it's not my child. And when the shooting happened, I mean, there's like 4,500 students. What would be the odds that my daughter, Alyssa, would, be, would have been shot and killed that day? So for me, um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely challenging, right? Because I want my boys to live as normal of a life as they possibly could, but it's, but it's hard because I, I do know if, God forbid, something did happen to them, like I'm going to be, um, you know, brought brought back to like literally that day that happened to Alyssa. Um, I guess, you know, I think through the confidence of raising them and instilling, you know, morals and values into them, you know, mm -hmm. also with my relationship with my my husband and, and that we work hard to instill a, um, a sense of, you know, new normal. Um, one of the big things that we did after the tragedy is that we got a, a golden doodle dog and uh. at the, right as like a therapy dog, her name's Roxy and she's been so loving and caring, especially for my boys to, for them to, you know, have that type of therapy. And, um, that's been a really huge help. I love, I love golden doodles. They're beautiful dogs <laughs> and, you know, they bring joy to so many families and that's so wonderful. Just one day after 
this 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 horrible tragedy, the mass murder at your daughter's school, you attended the memorial service, and right after that, you went on CNN and you and you and you cried out to America and you were pleading with President Trump for help in stopping school violence. There's no metal detectors. The gunman, a crazy person, just walks right into the school, knocks down the window of my child's door, and starts shooting, shooting her, and killing her. President Trump, you say, what can you do? You can stop the guns from getting into these children's hands. Put metal detectors at every entrance to the schools. What can you do? You can do a lot. That was the beginning of, of this new life's mission for you, right? I mean, were, were you able to get more support for school safety after that moment and knowing that everything had just happened? What happened after that? I'll be you know, honest, when, when that happened that day and I went up to the first reporter, I was like, I have something to say. And she kind of just tossed her hair and ignored me. And I was like, that's okay. And I went down the line of reporters and I went to this reporter, I said, I have something to say. And he handed me a microphone and he said, you're on the air. Honestly, I had no idea what I was gonna say that day. And even after that, um, I, was in, I was in so much trauma um, from Alyssa being shot and killed. I wasn't even realizing or understanding how I, you know, I guess viral, like that interview slash video went. Um, and for me, I was thinking, you know, who can make change as quickly as possible would be the president of the United States of America. And so, um, I, I feel that, you know, school safety needs to be a direct focus of ours. You know, I feel that I've been able, you know, to turn my grief into advocacy and trying to make change through my nonprofit, Make Our School Safe. It's a moment of time that happened to me. I wish it never, ever happened to me. But now I have a voice to be able to make change, make school safety a top priority for schools and and hopefully change. So what happened to my daughter, Alyssa, and 16 others never happens again to another person's family. That's incredible. And so many people who have experienced tragedy like you have, have made such a difference. I mean, I, I'm surprised that that every single person in the media didn't want to talk to you in that moment. And unfortunately and sadly, you know, the media, it's pack reporting and they go where the crimes are. And that moment that you had in the spotlight to to speak from the heart and 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 say what needed to be done in order to make this country better was so important for you to do because it's it's hard for for people to continue to to have a voice. And, you know, sadly, your family situation is is not unique. I just looked at the the 10 year period of 2009 to 2019. And there were 180 school shootings with uh, over 350 victims. And it seems that this type of deadly violence is very unique to the United States. You know, when you look at other Western worlds, you do not, uh, Western countries, you do not see around the world the type of violence that, that we do in the United States. Do you have any thoughts on why this kind of crime against children happens in our schools? I think the tragedy on February 14, 2018 was a catalyst to bring school safety to the, to be a top priority to not only to individual schools here in Florida, but around the country 
and for the president of the United States, I I think that through tragedy can come will come change and change did happen absolutely because of the tragedy. You know, I we have to be able to focus on school hardening, but also the mental health aspect for our students in our schools is so so important. And and I think as a country we have to add additional funding for mental health for our schools. You know, American society, especially nowadays, our kids are so focused on social media, on their phone, on the Xbox, playing violent video games. Mm-hmm. And and all these things, they're they're affecting their mental health. We as as parents, you know, we have to take control over their their phones and and what they're doing and how much time they're actually on these devices and the xbox and kind of like i love for us to get back to you know the old times where kids would just play outside and like get poison ivy and pick wild berries right (laughs) yeah yeah i um i'm gonna ask you a little bit about that later on when we come back we'll talk to Lori about law enforcement's response to the mass murder at her daughter's school. That's next. I'm Avery Mann, and this is Making the Case, Crimes Against Kids. My guest today is Lori Alhadef, whose daughter Alyssa was a victim of the horrific school shooting in Parkland, Florida in 2018. Lori, there was a lot of analysis and, and review and critique of the law enforcement response to the Parkland shooting. Why was there so much controversy about that? Because I know the high school did have a school resource police officer on site, correct? Yes, we, we did. Um, that law enforcement officer, he he froze. He was a coward that day. The report saying the spray of bullets set off a fire alarm, sending panicked students and teachers out of their classrooms to escape. <laughs> This picture capturing kids trapped helplessly in a crammed hallway. Meanwhile, cameras showing school resource officer Deputy Scott Peterson waiting outside on his radio instead of trying to stop the gunman. I know he knew exactly where those shots were coming from and and he chose not to engage, which cost 17 people from being shot and killed and, and 17 people from being injured. I think what also had happened was communication was so unclear. There was no no plan. Nobody knew what they were doing. Nobody was engaging the the threat. So it's it's very upsetting and very frustrating to me to, you know, because when the shooting was happening, I texted Alyssa. I told her to run and hide that help was on the way. And I, I in my heart I wanted to believe that that help was coming, um, but it but it never did, and it was too late. You said that the officer froze and that there was chaos and people didn't know what to do. Are schools in America doing the right kinds of drills for this? And and do teachers and staff, are they getting the right training? Are they learning how to react correctly to an active shooter situation? And I know that we're going to talk about uh, Alyssa's law and, and the panic button. Would a panic button help in this situation where a law enforcement officer on site freezes or school personnel just don't know what they're doing what what can what can be done to make sure that schools can react properly so that more lives can be saved in this this kind of a situation 
Yeah, so no, absolutely. Schools need to train on different ways to respond to an active shooter threat. And a panic button, which is app-based, is very effective in helping the teacher to know exactly how to respond and also for law enforcement to know where the threat is coming from. So if the teacher pushes the button on her phone, it's geolocated to the mm -hmm. teacher. So the law enforcement would be able to pull up the camera of where that teacher is and be able to have eyes on the scene to know and see where the active shooter is. And then they can push out information by text to all the staff on campus to know if the shooter's in the cafeteria, the teacher can more effectively respond with her class, either run away from that area or shelter in place, depending on what's most ap appropriate. The responses that uh, teachers and staff do in those moments, as you point out, is so critical to assist law enforcement. And there are so many different different things that people say that should be done in those situations. And I know at one point, the president even suggested arming teachers. And I, I know you're against that. Does that come up? That Does that discussion come up as you're in your role as a school board official? And as you talk to people around the country about violence in schools? So it does come up. Um, I definitely don't believe in arming school teachers. I think that we need to leave that for our law enforcement, who are the experts who train every you know day to be able to respond um, as appropriately and effectively as possible. It's um, an issue that comes up, but I think that we we need to continue to put money into funding our law enforcement and making sure that on campus there's a good guy with a gun who is trained and um, will engage the threat if appropriate. I worked for a school district for a while, and I spoke to a school resource officer who told me that even when they're physically at the school, they can be severely challenged uh, during an act of violence because they don't necessarily have all all the weapons that they would have to use, you know, versus a shooter and, and what they're armed with. As a school board official, are you able to, to get the support you need to push the safety agenda, agenda of students forward? You, you mentioned that, you know, you really think law enforcement are the experts and, and, and they have the training. What can you do as a school board official to ensure that law enforcement not only has the training but also has the tools because in a situation like at your daughter's school when you know every second counted for that law enforcement response how 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 can you push that agenda because this this must be the most important thing that that you got elected to do safety as a school board member i can you know, help to bring forward to make sure that our law enforcement is properly trained and bring suggestions. And like for one example is that we had made to make sure that our law enforcement was trained to deal with ESE students. I believe, you know, I can use my voice to be able to keep the importance of, of training in the forefront you know, and then also as a just a regular person, it's really important that you vote the right sheriff into office 
to make sure that they have the, the same goals and values to help keep our schools safe. You mentioned that right after being elected, you were able to go to Tallahassee and you, and you, and you were able to get a law passed. And you talked about Alyssa's law that's named in your daughter's memory. Can you tell me what the major initiatives are of Alyssa's law? Yeah, so we wanted to have the same level of safety, like equitable safety measure across every school in the state of Florida. So Alyssa's Law is a panic button that is app-based that will go on every teacher's phone in the state of Florida. And it's also the most economical way of doing and having a panic button. We had $8 million allocated for Alyssa's Law which um, was able to um, be given out to every school starting next school year it will be implemented. And when we looked into doing it in a hardwired method, it was like $250 million. So wow. it was too, way too much. Yeah, it was way too much money. So this is a standard level, but schools were also in the law. It says they're able to stack, meaning that they can, if they want to pay for a hardwired button, they can do that. But at least every school will have this minimum standard of school safety um, across the state. It makes sense. I mean, with an app on someone's phone, I mean, you rarely don't see someone with a phone on them in their pocket holding on to it. I think that was a, a great decision to do that. It's like, an, I feel like an extension to everybody's body nowadays. But we, we were able to get Alyssa's Law passed in New Jersey, too. Um, and Florida, and we are working to have this be a standard school safety measure across the country. So like schools have their fire alarm pull stations, their AEDs. Well, now I want every school to have their panic button. Yeah, and I'd like to ask you a little bit more about that just from the the legislative side. What do you think will be the the best way, the strongest way uh, to get the law passed now that you have, as you mentioned, had it passed both in your, well, your two home states, because you're from New Jersey and you live in Florida. So, you know, you're very connected to those states. But for, for the other 48 states, what's the strongest way to get this this law passed? How are you going to get support for it? So I would love to get this passed federally. We do have two federal bills, because then obviously it would be in every state required. Um, but in the meantime, if, you know, we're still going to be working state by state. Um, we're working for California, New York. And I think that, um, you know, more states, you know, sign on and get Alyssa's law as the law of the land in their state. I think that we'll get more states to get on board to know that, like, this is common sense. This is a nonpartisan issue. And we all want to send our kids safe when they go to school. They need to be safe and come home alive. I've I've been alongside and part of many laws and bills to protect children and and other victims. And it's it's never I've never understood why there are sometimes people who come out against laws that are that are meant to help children, help victims, and it, yet, it, it seems that they're they're still there, and you can never believe the reasons that they come forward. Are there people who would oppose this legislation, and 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 why so? Because it's taking advantage of something so simple, uh, our modern technology apps. Why would someone ever oppose this law? Is is it a money thing? Is it 
if you don't have children, why do you think that is? I think, of course, it always comes down to money, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I don't think we can put a price tag on our, our children. We protect our, our money in our banks, right? And, and we make sure that there's bulletproof glass, metal detectors when people go into our government offices. We have to make school safety a top priority in this country. We have to make sure that when we send our kids to school that they're safe. And I think the more people can get on board with wanting this and needing this and protecting our, our children and you know and adding more money for, for mental health and and school hardening, we're we're gonna create safer schools, but it needs we just need to keep creating those layers of protection. You know, after school shootings, it seems, and you've mentioned this earlier about assistance in, in the mental health arena, but it always seems that there were signs that the perpetrator might do this. And, you know, that there's a connection to the school, like being a, a current or former student. How do you think schools can do a better job of making sure that the mental health needs are met knowing that you know not every family has health insurance but when you're in a school setting you have access to different people you have access to counselors and teachers other mental health professionals nurses sports coaches you know why why isn't this more of a priority to make sure as you pointed out you know all the pressures of students that they have that they need they need to have this mental health support one is that we have to put more funding for this public schools to be able to fund more mental health counselors in their schools, more social workers, more, more school psych psychologists. The ratios of school psychologists to students needs to be much, much lower. It can't be one to 1,000. So that's that's number one. So is that the number? Is it really one in 1,000? Well, I'm just, I just kind of threw that out, but it's um it depends it's on the low. school system yeah, yeah yeah it's it's not good and and so you know there's kids that are going to fall through the cracks so that funding is so important that we can make those ratios a lot lower and and so we will be able to give the students the resources that require that they require and that they need um, I think it's also really important that every school has some type of see something, say something, whether it's app-based, whether it's a box in the main office, that students have the ability to report something as themselves or anonymously to be able to, you know, report if, let's say, their friend is thinking about killing themselves, that they can report that to the school to to their SRO officer and and be able to get that person that the help they need before they do something so drastic. I think that you know we have to also a society to be able to realize that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to ask for help. We have a lot of hotline numbers and ways that people can seek help but I don't know whether it's um, just the way that they were brought up or their culture. They're, they're not seeking the help that they drastically need. And once we be able to, I think, come to the realization like, you know, broken arm, you can see a broken arm with a cast on it, but you can't mm. see what's going on in someone's head. Lori, do you feel that you're making progress 
as Alyssa's mom, as a school board official, to making sure that that the mental help, mental health help that's needed is is getting to the students in your in your district? Yes, I definitely think that we're making progress. I'm making progress. We just implemented a new app called Safe to Tell, and it's on every student's computer. So if they feel that they need help, it's giving them a means to be able to click on that app and ask for the help that they need. That they need. I know that your mission is is so important for the people who are listening to this podcast. Podcast. How are they able to help you protect more students so that more families don't have to suffer the incredible loss that yours has? I would love for them to check out our website, makeourschoolssafe.org, and to get involved, whether it's donating or volunteering. Our email address is on there. We also are on all the social media to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. The other aspect of Make Our Schools Safe is that we want students to create the culture of safety within their schools by starting a Make Our Schools Safe club at their school. So if your student is interested, please send us an email at info at makeourschoolsafe.org for more information. And also, if you'd like to get Alyssa's law passed in your state, we would love your help and advocacy to make that happen. That's great. I mean, there are a lot of people around this country who want to help with legislative change. Um, schools have so many different programs, in, including Crime Stoppers programs, where students can report things. So, you know, I encourage everyone who's who's listening to to get involved and um, you know be part of this really, really, really important change. Lori, I know that all of your work in Alyssa's memory is intended to save more children, and I know that talking about that horrible day is is painful and, and you know just really, really painful. So, I just wanted to give you uh, a very deep thanks uh, for being willing to share about your family and your mission. And I hope that we can also be a, you know, if, if nothing else, just a small part of your work to, to make a difference. So I, I just wanted to say thanks so much for joining me today. And I hope that the next time you're on this show, we'll talk about all the states that have passed and implemented Alyssa's Law. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me please download and listen to the next episode of Making the Case Crimes Against Kids when we'll get another Making the Case Insider's Perspective and hear about more incredible cases. And please visit SOS360.com to learn how to protect your organization and make it safer for children. Remember, safety begins from the inside out. Until next time, bye-bye.